0: Here's Pastor Scott. Follow along. These verses will be on your screen. In 2 Timothy 2.3, the Bible says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And as Christ's soldier, don't let yourself become tied up in the affairs of this life, for then you cannot satisfy the one who has enlisted you in his army. Follow the Lord's rules for doing his work, just as an athlete either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled We Are Soldiers. Pray with me. God, thank you for enlisting us into your army. God, I pray that today you would give us a unique ability to hear what the Spirit says to us. God, I pray that you would anoint me to say things that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray that you would draw us closer to you today father for every person and every need that's here today god i pray that you would show yourself able in jesus name amen we are soldiers all across the country this week people are celebrating what we call veterans day it's a day where we as a nation pay tribute to the men and women of america who protected our freedom and fought for freedom by serving in the armed forces it has in this generation in this century, in this past century alone, uh, become in the last 60 years, become okay for the first time ever in our nation's history to be unpatriotic, unsupportive of our military, not proud of our veterans. And I want you to know that is a sign of the end times. That is not a sign of better things. That is a sign of worse things. We, we should be thankful. Uh, I love what a friend of mine who was in the military when I was in, he, he's got on his social media page, um, pacifist lives free because brave men and women fought. And I thought, man, well, they need to hang out on every school hall in america they need to make everybody high five that sign when they walk into their homes or into their place of business because the only reason that our country our country has done something that no other country in the history of the world has done our country is the only country in the history of the world to survive over two hundred years under one founding document every other country crumbled fell was overthrown changed its name, was invaded and taken over by other rulers and had to establish a different form of government. But the reason why this country has continued the way it is under one governmental system for over 200 years is because we have had brave men and women who were willing to stand the line and defend our country and our freedom. And I thank God for all the veterans and all the people who have ever served in our nation. It's not popular. You know, it's, it's not even popular in this world today. People badmouth the military. People look down. I thank God we live in a military town, but it's getting less and less military, just more of a town. Mm, I'm going to leave that alone because everybody do, doesn't want to hear me uh, just stand up here and, and sing red, white, and blue. But we've been blessed as a nation to have brave men and women fight some. We're called soldiers, sailors, marines, airmen. Y'all know I I've served in the army. Uh in my time in the military and I, I kid a lot of people here because I was moved around. I grew up in a Navy family uh, and and I, I tell people that's why I joined the Army. People are like, Well you grew up in the Navy, why'd you join the Army? That, that's why. But I, I tease about the Army being the biggest and the best and the oldest and but I know for sure, and I have to tell my kids uh, because my kids want to go in the military and, and they're choosing which branch, and they may well go into to different branches, but I believe that every branch of our military is the best in the world and to be honored and to be given thanks for. <laughs> I, I love what uh, one, one writer wrote, all gave some and some gave all. And that's what we need to understand. That's what we need. If you were in the military at all, you know that, that you gave some, but you also know some people that gave all. I was talking to Sergeant Major and a couple of guys uh, just a few minutes ago on the sidewalk and, um, uh, about uh, a guy that just died a month and a half ago in Afghanistan. He was the senior ranking enlisted man in country on his seventh deployment, uh, Sar- Sergeant Major... Uh, a was, was shot and killed on his seventh deployment uh, just a month and a half ago. And I, I got to doing some research because I thought about this. You know, there was a time where every day they were blowing up the news with how many people died in Iraq, how many Americans died in Iraq because America was being anti-war and they were trying to make the war look bad uh, and they were try, trying to uh, turn everybody against the military, so every day they were blown up, we got to end this war, we got to end this war. And I, and I want them to end, listen, it would be nice, everybody's like, well, the Iraq war is over. Uh, well, why are American soldiers still dying in Iraq? That's, that's, not, that's not a war that's over. Well, we're, 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 not, we're not in Afghanistan anymore. Then how are American soldiers still dying in Afghanistan? Because we are still in Iraq, and we are still in Afghanistan. And this is one of the reasons why I don't care who you vote for. Uh, I don't trust any of them. I don't believe in any of them because it doesn't matter which one it is, whether, whether it was President Bush that sent all those people over there, or, uh, and then President Obama sent even more people over there. After he promised if he got elected he would end those wars and have all our people home in 18 months, almost 18 years later we're still over there dying, fighting, trying to help people. Um, you, uh, y'all, y'all staring at me like y'all mad at me. Listen, the truth is the truth anyhow. I'm not telling you something that is not real. I'm telling you what the truth is. And my, my, my hope is that one day soon we will get out of Afghanistan and we will get out of Iraq and we will bring these people home before any other son or daughter, mother or father, brother or sister have to die over there in the desert for God knows what, God knows why. Three people. I can't help the, the the way that I love America. I don't. I, I know a lot of people uh, don't love America the way that they should. I saw a CNN poll. CNN went around and they 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 did this uh, survey and then they took it to the street and they found out that over seventy percent of the people interviewed under thirty five said that they didn't believe that Americans had anything to be proud about as a nation. And and and, and then they went to everything bad and listen. There, hey, there's good and bad in every co- in, 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 in every pot in America, in, in every color in America, in every stream in America. And they, you know, they would start with, "Well, why should America be proud of anything? All we did is steal this country uh, and and enslave a bunch of people." Listen, what country do you know that didn't have invaders, marauders, conquerors, and slaves? Now, I'm not justifying anything, but I'm saying if you want to look to point. At why? Well, this country's not fair to LGBT people. Why don't they all move to Pakistan? Anybody know why they don't move to Pakistan? Because they hang them by their necks in all Muslim countries. Well, America's just not, tol- not tolerant. America's the most tolerant nation. Well, America's just not fair to, to certain groups of people. Why are they coming here by the millions then? What other country do you see thousands of people, millions of people? We let over a million people a year come in this country from around the world legally. That does not count the people that are sneaking. Well, you think anybody, let's just look at these countries across the back. You think anybody's sneaking into Liberia, West Africa, try, trying to say, oh, well, we just got to get, get to Monrovia, new crew town? Where we have our church in West Africa, New Crew Town, Pat Cruz Village, is the most war-ravaged, war-torn, highest percentage of Ebola deaths in the world. Y'all just want to turn in your U.S. citizenship and rush off to New Crew Town? No, nobody trying to sneak in. Ain't nobody trying to sneak into India. There ain't millions of people lining up to try to get in there. Do you know why millions of people still come legally and illegally to enter into the United States? Because even with problems even with difficulties even with negative history even with oppression and horrible things going on and lying politicians America is still the greatest country on the planet and everybody outside America knows that that's why they're coming here I just wish some people in America would act like they're glad to be here but you know I take things personally I get to feel the same way about Florida that don't take me one time hearing somebody say, it's just so hot here, to where I go in my pocket. And I'll let them know, I will buy you a bus ticket back to whatever frozen tundra you came from because our streets are too crowded. <laughs> Why would you stay somewhere? Why would you stay somewhere if, if, if where you left was so great? I tell you what, all these people sneaking into America? They ain't going to try to sneak back. 23 years ago today, I married Gail. And when she got sick with cancer, I took her to a faith clinic after the doctors gave up to her in Tijuana. It's actually outside of Tijuana. It's called Playa de Tijuana, which is the beaches of Tijuana. And a separate city. uh, And the hospital is right across from the beach. Beautiful, gorgeous but crazy because the city's gorgeous. You have the beach. You look the other way, mountains, hills, just gorgeous, but trash everywhere. People would literally, I watched them, would walk out of their house, take three steps off their front door, just dump trash in the street. I'm thinking, I'd have at least done that across the street. I mean, if it's legal, dump it on the neighbor's stoop, not on your own, but it, it was it was beautiful. One, one day we were standing right where, if you've never been there, it's ridiculous. This, this, this sheet metal, busted up sheet metal, goes straight out about 80 yards into the ocean. All the way down the side of Mexico. It's just like eight-foot tall sheet metal with holes in it, and you can just shake it. And, and we're standing at this, at this circle point, and it was called the Overlook Point. And what it overlooked was that wall. Where you can see them, uh, the border patrol people riding on ATVs, and so we start getting surrounded by all these guys. Man, listen, if you are under six foot tall and you want to feel like a giant, you move to Playa de Tijuana. I didn't meet anybody in that city over five foot three, and so we st- and all of a sudden we start getting surrounded. A bunch of people coming and they I'm gonna just figure, I-, I guess they're tourists, but they weren't tourists. They were people plotting. And because they told me, the dude said, hey, I don't know why it's always this. You know, I say, huh? tonight is going to be my night. I'm like, Tonight's going to be your night to what? I'm like, oh, you going over the wall tonight? Going right through the wall. And I, and I, and I asked him, I said, you ever done it before? Yeah, i done it like nine times. But he was convinced he was going to get to stay that time. Now, let me ask you this. Why would you leave one country to illegally go to another country nine times unless you at least had some type of belief system in your heart that it's better over there than it is over here, I think it's time that Americans stop start realizing, yeah, we got a lot of jacked-up stuff in America. Yes, yeah, unfair for a lot of people. Yes, yeah, bad history uh, all the way around. But it sure does beat what a lot of people are running to to come from. I want you to know, if you badmouth Florida weather to me, you're probably going to get talked to. And if you badmouth the United States of America to me, we're probably going to have a sit-down meeting. I love America, and I wish somebody else would love America too. I feel I, I I feel like Billy D. Williams. Y'all don't remember Billy D. Williams? I feel like Billy D. Williams in his greatest role. Anybody know what his greatest movie was? This out of the movie I'm talking about. Anybody? Else, Brian's song. Billy D. stood up when it when it when his little white teammate was dying, and, and he said. He said, I love Brian Piccolo, and I want you to love him, too. I want you to know I love America, and I hope that you will love America, too, because if if you don't realize how great our country is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find some immigrants. I want you to find some people who recently came over here, and I want you to ask them, why would you leave where you were to come here and let them tell you about the hope for America? Talk to some people who have done. Listen, I wish uh, I, I was excited about that sign, y'all, that, that picture y'all posted, uh on, on social media, uh, about, about your husband and, and, and celebration for him. Uh, I, I, I wish every American, including myself, had to go through the rigorous education about America that we make, uh, People coming into our country go through to learn about America. Do you realize uh, most people who come legally into this country from other countries know more about America than the average American walking the street just taking everything for granted? Bre- bre- listen, everything so much for free here, but everybody wants to talk about what's free. People talk about, oh, but we need free health care. Uh, we need free phones. We, uh, well, how about free houses, free cars? What about free 401k? What about a free bank? What about $5 million for everybody for free? And here's the thing, there are people as, as unlearned as they can possibly be about economics that think, yeah, that's a good system. I, I want to remind you of something, nothing is free, not even salvation. Somebody paid for everything. And we, we need to be thankful to the ones who paid as, as, we in, as, as we celebrate and we live through all the benefits that we get from those who fought from those who paid. Uh, we are blessed to live in a military town. When I moved here, when I came to Jacksonville, it was a huge, huge military mindset in Jacksonville. For those of you that lived here in the 70s, you understand. I mean, we, we had, everybody called it NAS, they referred to Jacksonville, and they call, and they say NAS and Cecil Field. Cecil Field was NAS too. They were both naval air stations, but two giant naval air stations on one side of town plus Mayport. Uh, We're still a military city, but I don't think that our veterans and our military members uh, get the the love and the honor that they did. And I know some of you don't want any recognition, and and some of you uh, don't don't like to be singled out, but I I would like you to do this just just for the branch that you served in, just for the men and women you served together with, just for the nation that that you swore to. I, I would like right now... Uh, The Bible says that you should honor those to whom honor is due. And and I I would like you today, just on this one special day of the year, if you served in any branch of our military active duty guard or reserve, would would you stand to your feet and let us just recognize you. I'm standing uh, for the United States Army. Would you stand with me? Amen. Praise the Lord. While you remain standing, because these, these, these men and women who are standing understand that all of us didn't come home to churches all of us didn't come home to families and some of us still have not come home yet so as as you men women continue to stand and y'all know i'm emotional pray with me for those who are still fighting god we love you and we thank you for loving us god i thank you for allowing us to live in this great country lord i thank you for every man and woman standing in this place today having served in the military of this country you said that your name is a god of war god and that there is just wars to be fought father and god i pray for every person who's still fighting every just or even unjust war outside of american soil god i pray that you'd protect them let them finish their mission and bring them home god i thank you for these veterans i ask you to bless them bless their families and bless our country in jesus name amen come on give god praise you can be seated I had to get all that speech out of my system because I am red, white, and blue all the way on the inside, and I love America, and it is a uh, 23rd year wedding anniversary to a woman who's in heaven, Uh, military people still getting killed all across the world, Uh, we're we're getting older, but I got great news for everybody, one day God is going to come back and take us to heaven, (laughs) amen, there will be no more battles to fight. But there's still battles to fight here. I'll tell you a little bit about why I am so patriotic and, and why the military has been such a big uh, deal to me. I was born uh, uh, into the military. I was I, w- I was born at Mercy Hospital in San Diego, California, to a Navy family. I uh, went to elementary school in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, and then later in Virginia Beach, A.K.A. NAS Oceana. I grew up playing baseball for Little Creek Amphibious Athletic Association, and I was always on. Lived in base housing. I was always at Armed Forces Day. See, this is what's wrong with with some people who aren't military. They haven't been to a good Armed Forces Day, right, Chief? Seen all that? Seen seen these planes fly and 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 do what they do. Seen the men and women, uh, really come through in in great pageantry. But if you know anything about the Navy? You know the big three cities are San Diego, Norfolk, and where else? Jacksonville. That's how we got to Jacksonville. So I owe, I owe huge stuff to the Navy. They brought me to Jacksonville at 11 years old. My my stepfather got transferred to Jacksonville, so the military's always been a huge part of my life. Um, don't don't worry about your football team losing. Listen, it's tough being. being prior Army, living in one of the three largest Navy towns in the world and having to watch Army play Navy every year. For those of y'all that don't know, Navy won every game from 2002 to 2015. let Let me just tell you how that's relevant. Because we started this church in 2001. And that meant up until 2016, Navy beat Army every year except the first year. Well, good news, what goes around comes around. Uh, we won two in a row, which means we've won two out of the last 17. <laughs> it just depends on how, on how you want to slice it. But uh, the Navy has been a huge, very instrumental in my life. So much of my Christianity comes, I feel, easy to me because of my military background. I grew up in a military home. I served in the military. But what I want you to know this morning, you don't have to have had either of those things to still understand a military mindset. And I want you to learn how to understand a military mindset or just at least consider it this morning because I believe it helps with our Christianity. I I grew up understanding how to take orders and how to perform a task at a high level of excellence I I can remember people growing when I was in basic training at Fort Dix New Jersey I can remember kids young boys crying because the drill sergeant had yelled at them and they were just freaking out and I've been thinking I, I thought about that and I'm like that was back when men were men and women were women yeah, this snowflake generation right now, I just, I can't imagine the, the level of crying going on in basic training. Um, my, my, kids, my kids have told me, Dad, well, I, I think I'll do good in the military because I've been yelled at. You sure have. <laughs> I've been told what to do. I've been told it's not my bedroom. It's your bedroom. It's not my door. It's your door. So, you know, they, they're not going to snowflake up like that, like, like some people. But here's the crazy thing. In the military now, and, and, and this has got to be hard. Uh, anybody, most of y'all not as old as me, uh, anybody served in the 80s in the military? All right, about five people, six. Uh, well, you served in a time where they could still put their hands on you. You served in a time where drill sergeants still might just grab you and throw you to the ground and kick you in the stomach because you wasn't pushing up far enough. Uh, they will do that anymore. They don't even yell at them, curse at them anymore. Well, I, I don't know if they're doing it. I hope they're not doing it. I hope they're not giving uh, recruits uh, stress cards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Giving people in basic training a stress card to where they can show the drill sergeant, "You've stressed me out. I need a break. I need my safe space over here because I'm a snowflake and I'm melting." Let me tell you something. That is not preparing them for being a prisoner of war in some Afghani dungeon, buried in a, in a sand dune somewhere. That, that you don't get stress test card, You don't get stress cards in real life. And, and I'm telling you what, we got a generation of college students that haven't figured that out yet. Because they're gonna go into the real world. Now, they may work for, you know, they may go to work for some, you know, uh, uber progressive company that literally has timeout spaces for grown ups. But, but listen, I don't even believe in timeout spaces for children. I see these parents, they're like, if, if, if you don't stop screaming curse words at mommy, mommy's gonna put you in time. I'm like, that's too much talking already. That is just too much talking. What, 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 what's this year's theme? Love requires what? Keep that in mind. Not preparing these recruits well for the hardship of battle. And this is why some people can't make it in the church. Because they don't understand. Life is messy. Are you ready? Even inside the church. Ah, safe space. I learned early in my life in ministry that there is a rank and file in god's kingdom and the bible teaches that we all have a certain amount of authority but we are all ultimately under the maximum authority we, we we're people in authority we have authority as believers but we're also under the authority of the lord jesus christ some churches are trying to confuse that some, some of the uh most noted Largest ministry preachers in the world are teaching false doctrine on TV and on the radio. I heard a preacher say, God is no longer in control of the planet because he has given over control to the believer. And if God were to do anything without asking permission from the believer, he would be out of line. You can Google it, Creflo Dollar. Best dressed preacher in America one of the greatest orators in the history of the church. Uh, But we've got a group of uh, people out there teaching that our authority is preeminent in the earth. But I need you to understand, no matter how much authority, and it is a lot that God has given the believer, we are still under God's authority. And this, this, this military mindset, this military understanding of rank and file is shown all throughout the Bible in God's kingdom and even in the dark kingdom. But this is a reason why a lot of people don't have success in Christ because they don't understand that you give your life to God. When you give your life to God, you stop being your own boss. See, a lot of people don't read the Bible. A lot of preachers don't teach the Bible. But the Bible tells us if you're a Christian that you are not your own because you've been bought with a price. If, if, if one of my cars decided they were just going to get up in the middle of the night and move to the neighbor's house, something would be wrong because that car is not its own. It's been bought with a price. It, it, you, if you call yourself saved, you need to recognize the Lord bought you on Calvary. You, we are the scripture says, And some people don't like this. I love it. Some people don't understand this. I'm thankful I do. The Bible says we are a purchased possession. Do you feel like a purchased possession? Well, I ain't nobody's possession. Hell is hot and eternity is long. And you can have that. You can, you can do to Adam's family if you want to. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Dance how you want to dance. Play how you want to play. You can be your own boss, the king of your whole world, God on your own throne. But those folk don't make heaven their home. Christians understand or need to understand, need to be brought into an understanding. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. That's why the Bible says because of that we should glorify God in everything that we do. Military military people understand this uh, change. They understand this flip because it is drilled in by a drill sergeant. It it, it is is force-fed into your head every second of every day of basic training. You join the military, they make you stand up and swear allegiance to something you never swore allegiance to. Make you say words you've never said before. Make you hold your hand in a way you never held your hand before. Then they put you in a group of people that you don't know. And and listen, the bus ride. Anybody remember that bus ride? You you take that bus ride, don't you? You get on that bus. I got off that airport in Newark, New Jersey. Let me tell you something. I I can't imagine how bad it is now. It was dirty then. I hope they changed it. But I got off that. It was crazy. I got on the bus. It got crazier. We had people. We had one dude. One dude grew up in an Indian reservation out west, so we called him Chief. Chief made sense on the bus because the man had never had his hair cut. He was a son of an Indian chief on an Indian reservation. He came in wearing blue jeans, a big belt buckle, and braided hair all the way down his back. They got on the bus, you know, it was a long bus ride. Uh, and, and so people called him Chief. Everybody, Everybody in our whole platoon just... Uh, They called me Florida. We had a Chicago. There was a Detroit. They did that with you. I mean, you 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 just put these names. So Chief looked like a chief on the bus ride. But I tell you what, four seconds in that barber chair, he looked like everybody else standing next to him. I mean, you walk in, everybody's got their own clothes on, everybody's got their own style on, everybody's got their own haircut on, and you look like, you know, you see a whole bunch of different people soon as we all walked out of that barbershop, it didn't matter. There were still some tall ones, some short ones. There, there was some, some every color under the, but everybody kind of looked the same. It's like we're just a bunch of bald headed young men out here. They, they, they identity, new identity. They take away from you and found value in and tell you that ain't for you no more. And then they, I don't know about y'all, they made us walk around uh, and, and, and sing in cadence. They made us march and, and sing. And, and they make us say stuff like, they, they took away my faded jeans. Now I'm wearing what? Army green. I left my job. I left my wife. Now I live the Army life. And, and, and they understood. They, they, they made us understand. You ain't in Kansas no more, boy. You done stepped into a new world. You you are owned right now, and, and they, they poke us in our chest uh, and let us know those letters U S A R M Y. I mean, Uncle Sam ain't released me yet. <laughs> you are you are uh, you, you know you know why they call G I Joe? what's the G I stand for? Government issue. Now that's the stuff they give you when you go in. But do you realize that as long as you're a soldier, you are government issue. You no longer a civilian. You have no civil rights. I told you all that long story about peeing in that bottle. Almost worked my nerves to death. Every year, they have civilians. They let the civilians go in a bathroom by themselves, close the door, stay in there as long as they wanted to. They make, they make us go in there, have some, you know, youngest man in the room, some lieutenant fresh out of nothing, uh, looking at everybody like, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't know I had a shy bladder until I had a man staring his face three feet away from me. You know why they do that? What about my civil rights? Well, you got to be a civilian to have civil rights. And they tell us, this uh, this ain't Burger King. I can still hear George Sergeant Robinson in my head. He's had so many things in such a short period of time that are still with me. 30 years later, this ain't Burger King. He had that all. I didn't get it at first. See, you got that. I'm like, what is he talking about? Because for the first couple of days, he'd just say that. Just say, this ain't Burger King. Okay, same ain't Burger King. <laughs> Why are we eating two cheeseburgers every day? Every day. Every day. For lunch. Every day. Uh, but it ain't Burger King. And because it, 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 it ain't going to be your way. You ain't here to have it your way. You're here to have it my way. You're here to have it the Army way. And I'm going to tell you something. That was different than my way. But every just constant, this ain't Burger King. Move like you got a purpose, boy. Move. You're on a mission. And, and it's constant. New phraseology, new terminology, new clothing, new, I can't say hairstyle, but uh, new no hair. Why are they going to let them start keeping their hair? I, I, I'm going to give up at that point. I'm going to give up at that point. Every man's going to go bald eventually, and they, they took our hair from us. They need to take that hair from these young people still going in. But they, they, they changed everything. Why? To let us know you're in a different world now. And I want you to understand, if you ever get saved for real, you're going to have a similar situation going on. You're going to pledge allegiance to something you never pledged allegiance to before? You're going to find yourself in a new world, in a new environment. You're going to realize that it's not about your agenda anymore, that you got somebody over you. And here's the thing about the military. You just can't quit, not without going to prison. I mean, if you want to fight that fight, you want to go make uh, turn big rocks into little rocks at, at Leavenworth, you can try that battle if you want to. But, see, we've got a generation of quitters now, and it's filtered into the church. And that's why people don't stay in churches People don't stay in church, and most people change churches in less than a year. So there's a lot of parallels I see between the military and God's kingdom. Let's, let's look at the way God broke it down in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in our opening text, verse 3. God's word says, endure suffering along with me, comma, always pause on the punctuation. Take in bite-sized pieces so you can digest it and learn from it, not just read over it. Endure suffering along with me, comma. Now, here's the cool thing. The man God inspired to write this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to his spiritual son in the ministry, Timothy, uh, and and teaching him how to be the Christian that God wants him to be. And here's what he says. Believe for blessing just like me. That's not what he said. Uh, Declare your new house just like me. That's that's not what he he said. Endure suffering along with me. Now, if the average preacher said that to you today, most people probably be like, I'm down. Yeah, you really look like, yeah, you're suffering all right. Look like you're doing okay. No, this was a man who had been beaten, who had been uh, shipwrecked, who had been constantly put into chains in prison, wrote letters from prison. Uh, and, and he was going through a lot of stuff. Now, that, that's a whole different story because if the average preacher, I, I, if one of these TV preachers like, hey, Scott, why don't you, why don't you, uh, you know, let me fly you up here in my, in my personal jet and you can come endure suffering with me. I'll be like, well, you got steak? Of course. Personal chef living in my home. I'm like, well, that, that's no level of suffering. But when you have an apostle in the first century church, or if you even have these missionaries we have around the world, say, endure suffering, just like me. We had uh, a man come to America. He visited our church on his way back to Africa. He was doing great things in Africa. This was a long time ago. This was in the 90s. He was doing amazing things in Africa. God had used him to, uh, and and this was verified. He had raised people from the dead. Uh, he was just seeing healed people. Uh, healings for people just amazing things happening he came to America because Dallas Theological Seminary wanted him to teach for a semester 13 weeks he was going to come to America for 13 weeks it took him a long time to get there because he didn't want to leave his nation and what God was doing there he came to America stayed went to one class stayed three days and couldn't take it anymore and he asked to be let let free of his responsibility, he said, because all he saw, preachers hanging out with preachers, three-hour lunches, church, church lasting shorter than lunch after church, praise and worship lasting shorter than it took to order lunch. And he finally said on the third day, please release me from my obligation. I have to go back to my country. I do not feel God here. We had another missionary come in from the Ukraine, and stayed with a preacher friend of mine right off Normandy Boulevard, never been to America, never, never been out off his continent, which most people haven't. And this guy was an apostle uh, uh, to all these little countries over there around the Ukraine, and he was doing big things. He came here, and he saw something he would never seen before. My buddy Tommy walked him into the Walmart on Normandy Boulevard because he had to pick up some stuff on the way home. They walked in. The man fell down in the doorway crying because he saw racks with food on them and racks with clothing on them. And in his village, they have trucks that come by, and they throw out a pair of shoes, and everybody catches whatever pair of shoes they throw out, and you either wear them that don't fit or you try to trade with somebody who does. He had never seen clothes the way we have clothes here, just all stored, new clothes. He'd never seen new clothes. He'd never had new clothes in his whole life. He'd never seen food on racks before because the bread truck would come by and they would throw out, not even rat bread, just, just bread and throw it out and, and people would take it. And he, he, he knew a world of suffering. He knew a world of starvation. He knew a world of loving God and staying in praise and worship longer than people watch a football game for. But America doesn't know that, not by and large. I'm telling you what, people, and it's crazy because people still think, well, I'm suffering for the Lord. I I, I, I went to church two times last month. Sat in padded chairs in, in, in climate-controlled conditions. This pastor from the Ukraine, he told us about his, his largest church, and over there, churches would be ten people, eight, six people, four people meeting together, and, and all their churches, they didn't have buildings. They met in outdoor spaces, and his largest gathering of people Uh, would meet in this town area, and they would sit on stone benches in the freezing cold, but sometimes if the snow had been too deep, they would stand because the stone was too cold to sit on. Do y'all get it that we've got it easy? Somebody ought to say easy. Paul was talking about a life... of of, of real suffering. But he said to Timothy then, and some of you have heard me tell one of my favorite things about the Bible is that it's such a special book that God could have used one man named Paul talking to another man named Timothy 2,000 years ago about the situation he was in. But the unique thing about the Bible is not only did God intend it to be his revelation to Timothy 2,000 years ago, he superimposed it to where it would be our truth 2,000 years later. Do you follow that? Not only did it speak to the ones it was written to, but it still speaks to us. So the message never stays the same because Jesus said that everything, including heaven and earth, are going to pass away, but that his word would never pass away. Not a comma, not a hyphen would ever change out of his word. So the word is everlasting and it's unchanging. And the everlasting, unchanging word of the Lord continues to be endure suffering along with me. The Hebrew fallacy from the Old Testament times even still to today is that those who were blessed materially were blessed of God and those who weren't blessed materially were cursed of God. The, the Hebrew fallacy even extended to women in childbearing. Women who had lots of children were honored by God and women who were barren were not honored by God. We see in the Bible these are not true statements, but that still spills over into people's mindset Today, we look at life of comfort, ease, and materialism as blessing and riches, but I hope you understand that there are people who have nothing in their pockets, but they have more riches than we'll ever have. There's different ways to be rich. Some people are rich in money and depressed and miserable and thinking about suicide every day long, while other people, even in this easy country, are rich in relationships and family and love and honor and God in their heart. And and, and they ain't thinking about suicide at all because they're having family over and they're going to be cooking later today. And they're going to be loving the ones that they have. Even in a country as easy as we have it, they're still suffering because the hallmark of all Christianity, the Scripture says, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, I thank God we don't have to suffer persecution the way Paul did because, you know, that that, that flush out more people than already get flushed out. I thank God we don't live in the Ukraine, and we have to stand up in the snow for four hours worth of praise and worship and six hours of Bible teaching because they do church all day long there. I thank God that we don't live in New crew Town, the highest percentage of Ebola deaths anywhere on the world. And this is a man I talk to every week that lives over there. Uh, Pastor Coon fasts most of the month just so he can give food to his children and the people he are, he's teaching about Jesus to. I thank God that, that our suffering is at a minor level. Does anybody understand that our suffering in this country is at a minor level compared to the rest of the world Talk to somebody who's been outside this world. I mean, talk to somebody outside this country and, and find out that even though we have suffering, and there should be, there should be, but here, here's how our suffering comes most time. Pastor, some of my friends don't want to hang around me anymore since I gave up drinking, cussing, and hoeing. Well, then you probably ain't going to have as much temptation to drink, cuss, and hoe. Pastor, they, they stop telling their dirty jokes when I walk to the water cooler. Well, you don't have to fill your ears up with their dirty joke. Do you, do you, do you see the difference between not having food to eat, being locked away in prison, beating for your faith versus they don't, t- they, 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 don't, they don't take God's name in vain in front of me anymore. I, I, think, I think I'm oppressed. Okay, that, that, that type of suffering is on, on a different level, but there's always something because any time you transition from one kingdom to the next, you got to give up some stuff. You're gonna lose some stuff and you're gonna gain some stuff. I told you about all the stuff they took away from us in the military, but they gave us everything we needed. They took everything, including our underwear. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Men, let's just act like the women ain't in the room. How many men ain't ashamed to admit they got underwear that they still wearing in their in their drawers? I'll make it easy on you. Over ten years old. Now, I'm in there. Anybody else? Thank you, coach. They don't want to admit it. You're like, Pastor got on raggedy. Listen, (laughs) listen. I read about Calvin Klein. Y'all heard of Calvin Klein? Clothing designer. Calvin Klein, this is what he thinks living is. This is how ignorant rich people can get. Calvin Klein, every day, opens up a fresh pair of underwear out the bag and puts fresh cardboard stiff underwear on his most sensitive skin i'm gonna tell you something you wash you wash dry and fold them for you know long enough time you break them in right they get comfortable <laughs> we, we 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 they took everything including our underwear my fa- i lost my favorite pair of underwear i never even got them back took my socks took my shoes but they gave me every- they gave me a new pair of shoes boots uncomfortable. They they gave me new underwear, severely uncomfortable. I thank God I didn't have to wear eyeglasses. I'm 55 years old. I never wore a pair of eyeglasses contacts in my life. Um, I thank God for good vision. Didn't have to wear eyeglasses. I don't know what they call them now in the military, but, man, I want you to know, the Army glasses they were doling out to people in the 80s, wow, wow. And they had a good name for them. Because they were just, I mean, big, thick, ugly, black, stand off your face. Uh, I, I look at my basic training yearbook, and I see them wearing them glasses. I'm thinking, man, I would have took those off for the picture at least. But it, they, they called them RPGs. Now, in the military vernacular, RPG would typically stand for rocket, propelled grenade. That's not what those stood for. Those stood for rape prevention glasses because you wasn't getting busy with nobody wearing a pair of them. They were hideous. I mean, they took away everything, but they gave you what you needed. But it wasn't always comfortable. It didn't always feel like it fit right, even though they told you it fit right. You know, they're like, look at you like, yeah, there you go. And they gave us what we needed, but it took a little bit of getting used to If you ever get saved for real, if you ever come into God's kingdom for real, you're going to have a sense that I lost some of the stuff that I really felt close to. I lost some of the stuff I've been holding on to for years or decades. But God gave me new stuff, new stuff that might not always feel comfortable, new stuff that might not always feel like it fits you. But you got to believe that God knows better than you do. Does God know better than us? He said, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, So, we talk a lot about uh, how to understand the Bible, and one of the things we talk about is the principle of what is inferred, or the principle of inference. Now, if the Bible says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, what does it make you, if you don't endure suffering? A bad soldier. We don't want to be bad soldiers. We want to be good soldiers in the army of the Lord. Let's keep reading and find out. Why? First thing I want you to know, good soldiers endure suffering. So many people give up too easy. So many people quit, just fall out. Listen, you don't get to choose your mission in the military, and you don't get to choose your mission in Christ. God has a purpose for you to be alive, and you need to lock in and find out what it is and get busy doing it. Uh, The mission is, is not always easy, but it's always worth it. Sometimes it involves suffering a little, sometimes it involves suffering a lot. But this isn't even a message that I went to the largest church growth conference in the world when I first started this church in 2001. And they said specifically never preach about sin, never preach about hardship. People want to be encouraged when they come to church. Listen. The reason why a coach has to tell people, look, we're going up against the number one offense in the league this week. I I, I need everybody on defense to be geared up and ready to go. He's not depressing. Oh, why you got to tell us they're the best offense? You think they're going to run over us? No, he's letting you know that there's a serious opponent out there, and you got to be on your A game. I need the people in Christ to know that there is a real battle going on and you need to get geared up, dressed up, put on the whole armor of God and get engaged in your mission. Good soldiers, they they endure. The Bible says all God's promises are to those who endure. We could talk to everybody in this room that's been in church for any length of time and everyone in this room knows somebody who used to serve God in church that don't do it anymore because they didn't endure. They fell out. They quit. They didn't like the way somebody rolled their eyes at them or didn't shake their hand. They snowflaked out and they got their little feelings hurt. I want to tell you something. Life in the church can be difficult because you're around people that are different than you. You're around people that don't know you. You're around people that you didn't grow up with. Just like life in America is not perfect. Life in church isn't perfect, but here's the reality. It's difficult sometimes, but it's worth it. Because what God's called us to do. And the Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. Listen to verse 4. As Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in the affairs of this life. For then you cannot satisfy the one who has enlisted you in his army. As Christ's soldier. Here's the comma. First thing you got to ask yourself is, are you really in the Lord's kingdom? Now, I wasn't saved as a child but I, I rode the bus because they gave away candy and had cute girls on the bus. And so I, I, I spent some time in church as a little kid, and, and we learned those little kid songs. How many of y'all remember that, I May Never March? There we go, four of y'all. We, they taught us that we were in the Lord's army. I, I wonder if you really consider yourself. A soldier in the army of the Lord. See, if you do consider yourself as that, you got to realize that you're not the one on top. You're you're not the highest rank. You're not the one in charge. He said, as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in the affairs of this life. I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything else at all. This right here is where most people fall out. This right here is what messes up most Christians. This right here is where most people blow it. They become entangled, one version says. They become tied up. In the affairs of this life, uh, the average man in church knows more about his favorite football or basketball team than he does about this one book that God has given us. The average woman in the church can tell you the birthdays of all 900 people in their family, but can't quote seven scriptures out of this book. But it's easy to get wrapped up in other things, but the Bible commands us to not become tied up in the affairs. Of this life. Second thing I want you to see is good soldiers don't get confused about their mission. Put that verse back on the screen for me, Deacon. That if you start off in, in the Lord's kingdom and you, you have decided that you're going to obey your general, your, hev- your heavenly savior, uh, you've you got to realize, okay, I'm a soldier in the Lord's army. I can't become tied up in the affairs of this life. Why? Because then you cannot satisfy the one who has enlisted you. In the army. So here's what I want you to answer in your mind this week or today. And trust me, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody, but I want you to ask yourself, how have you been doing in life lately? Have you been getting tied up in the wrong stuff? Have you been getting tied up in worldly, fleshly stuff? Or 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 have you been have you been satisfying the one who enlisted you into his army? Have you been pleasing yourself in your own agenda? Or have you been? pleasing the one who enlisted you in his army because here's the reality you can't do both you can't do both either you're going to have to say no to yourself or no to God either you're going to have to deny yourself or deny God either you're going to have to please yourself or please God Now I can tell you I, I was now obviously I was young I was impressionable when I went into the military uh, I, I I feel compelled because all these kids I hear them say it all the time. It's like every time a, a straight man says something good about another man, uh, all these kids they always want to say, uh, "No homo." Uh, that that that's that sharp looking dude. No homo. I'm like, well, I didn't expect you a gay till you said that. But I can remember Drill Sergeant Robinson was the best looking man. This dude was about six foot three, uh, dark skinned built like a truck across. I mean, widest shoulders I'd ever seen on a man airborne, jump master, uh, confirmed kills in Grenada. This dude was just boom. He he he. Everybody in our platoon, if they didn't worship this man, they looked up to him and thought, that's what we want to be. And everybody, we worked hard in 4th platoon because we knew we had the best drill sergeant. If If you study history of war, you'll find out Patton's troops, General Patton's troops, fought hard for General Patton. It's a historical fact. And the reason why is because they also admired their general. They wanted to please their general. Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf going into Iraq, he was leading the charge. And he, was, he was up front and visible. And the troops, they wanted to please their general. General, I I wonder, do you realize how, how amazing our general is to look at? I wonder, do you realize how awesome our commander is to follow? I wonder, do you realize how there's never been a man like the man we call our king? And you ought to have a desire to please the one who's enlisted you into his army. See, this is why most of us fail in our Christian life. We don't spend enough time thinking about how great our commander is. And we don't spend enough time thinking about the fact that our commander is always looking over our shoulder and into our face and from every angle and from every side. If, if you don't choose to stay focused on pleasing God every day, you're going to get caught up in the world. That's just how it goes. And then you can't please the one who enlisted you. Listen to verse 5. Follow the Lord's rules for doing his work. Just as an athlete either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. Third thing I want you to know, Good soldiers follow the rules. Say rules. Good soldiers follow the rules. Now, we live in a day and age where people say rightly that Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship, and that's true. Christianity is about a relationship with a living God. But that relationship has rules. And good soldiers... Follow the rules. You know it doesn't matter how good you look in your uniform. It doesn't matter how well you can perform on PT. It doesn't matter how well you are. What It doesn't matter what your SQT is. It doesn't matter how, how good you are at your job. If you don't follow the rules, you're not going to please the one who's in charge of you. You don't get a hall pass because you did eight things right. You Go ahead and walk outside carrying your, 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 your headgear in your hand and you'd be walking outside, and you walk past anybody in the military, they're going to start saying words at you like AR670-1, or they're just going to start saying words at you, uh, at you uh, like, like Article 15, and you're going to realize, I better line up. It doesn't matter if you did your job right all day long. You still got to wear that headgear outside. So many times we get to thinking, well, I go to church. I pay my tithes, uh, you know, I, I do my best so I can, I can do this a little bit. Off to the side. No, good soldiers follow the rules. The rules are there for a reason, and the rules are there to help us. See, non-soldier people hate rules. The rules are in place to help us, not to hurt us. This is why I did well in the military. This is why I was consistently soldier of the quarter. This is why I won soldier of the year, because I was taught as a child, you must follow the rules or severe consequences will come your way. And so I have always had that in my mind. Now, y'all know, you've heard me. My mom didn't answer questions other than to say, because I told you so. We, she didn't negotiate anything with us. She didn't care what we wanted for dinner. She never asked us what, what you want mommy to make you for dinner. She made us what we had, and we ate it. Or we sat there and stared at it because we weren't allowed to leave the table. Good soldiers follow the rules. That was easy for me. But we live in a generation of people that don't like rules. Listen to what Proverbs 9, 8 says about these kind of people. Don't bother rebuking mockers. Don't don't bother to tell some folk that they're wrong and what they're doing is wrong. They will only hate you. But the wise, when rebuked, will love you all the more. If I was not a pastor in the Lord's church, I would just leave everybody alone. I would just, you know, go ahead and be Adam's family all you want to. Do everything you want to do. I'm not messing with you. You know why? Because as a pastor, it's my job. See, the, the Bible tells me I have to reprove, rebuke, and exhort people. That's my job. I don't do that away from the pulpit. I let people do what they want to do away from the pulpit because I know the Bible is true, and I know what people do. You correct people that, 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 that are foolish, the Bible says, they hate you for that. You get a bunch of hate out there. But if you correct people who are wise, they love you for that. See, some of y'all, you, you hear hard preaching, and you, you don't like it because you're like, who is he to tell me what to do? He ain't per- I told you I wasn't perfect. I'm just a messenger. But then there's, there's wise people that want to grow. They want to know what, what, what the steps are to, to get uh, under the glory spout. And they love you all the more. you got to ask yourself, do you like the rules or do you hate the rules? It will tell you where you fit on the scale of wise and foolish. you got to endure hard times. You can't get confused about your mission. You have to follow the rules. But before you can do any of that, you got to be in the Lord's army. you got to get in it to win it you got to be in this thing for real. you got to get in the Lord's Army, not just inside a recruiting station. Everybody that walked inside a recruiting station did not leave in the military. Everybody that ever walked around people in uniform, everybody that went to Armed Forces Day on the base did not end up in the military. you got to get in the Lord's Army all the way. Isaiah 45, 22, God said, look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. I am God, and there is none else. I want to tell you something today in closing. The only salvation there is to be found is in God, through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the only way to heaven. Besides me, there is no other way. God is the only God that can save you. There are not many gods. There's not many roads that lead to heaven. There's one God, and there's one way to get to him, and that's through his son. In Matthew eleven twenty two, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you need to stop trying so hard. Stop battling and failing, battling and failing, battling and failing, and you just need to get saved for real. Some of you wonder why the Bible don't make sense to you. Some of you wonder why you don't want to pay tithes and give offerings. Some of you wonder why you don't like praise and worship music. Some of you wonder why you try and you fail and you try. So the reason for many people is that you're just not saved for real. You can have church without having salvation. See, in the military, we see somebody wearing a military uniform that's not in a military uniform. We call that stolen valor. There's a lot of stolen valor going on in churches. People claiming salvation that don't really have it. Claiming they're in a a branch of service that they're not really in. I see so many parallels between my experience in the Army and in God's Army. I can remember when I first got invited, when I first had somebody approach me about joining the military. Here it is. I'm I'm, I'm, going to close with this. Story, and we're going to get out of here. When I was first invited to be in the Army, a recruiter came to Ed White High School, my senior year, and he was telling us how great the army was. And I laughed at him. And I can remember mocking him and, 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 all, of, and all those people that were listening to him, and I'm like, "Join the Army. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I going let somebody tell me what to do?" Absolutely not. I had no plan and no direction. I had no parental oversight. I didn't go to college out of high school. I didn't get a job out of high school. I just kept doing what I was doing in high school, selling drugs and living how I wanted to live. The thought of living where somebody else wanted me to live, doing what I was told to do, no way. That was not for me. But that was my first introduction to the Army. But then, after I laughed it off, because I started laughing at the Army, but then, then there were all those commercials. And listen. Uh, The the Marine Corps does more at glorifying themselves through commercials than every other branch does combined. They put together some awesome commercials, hire some good-looking actors to wear uniforms and look amazing. Uh, The Army used to do that in the 80s, and they had great commercials. And I started seeing all these be-all-you-can-be commercials and stand up for your country. And I thought, you know, that kind of looks okay. But then the years went by. I still said, no, not me. You ain't getting me with a commercial. That's not what I'm doing. But as, as, as a couple years went by, see, I didn't go in, mil- I didn't go in the Army until I was 22. And during that transitionary time, that five-year five year time since I'd seen the recruiter, seen the commercials, I, I knew the life that I was living was a dead-end life. I knew, I knew that, that I, I needed more. So I went myself. They didn't come to me. I didn't flip on it on a commercial. I went to the recruiter's office at Normandy Mall on Normandy Boulevard, and I sat down and talked. To an army recruiter. And he invited me to join the army. He told me what life in the army was like. Showed me a video uh, and, and on, on a TV. Because there were no, not no computers back then. Uh, put a VCR tape and a TV in his office. And I said, man, that's just what I want. Structure. Unity. Purpose. Something bigger than myself to live for. And I know that people who are in Christ understand that their life has bigger purpose than just their life. They understand I'm living for something bigger than me. And I want you to know, until you get that, you are not going to live life on your highest level. You're not going to live your best life until you get involved in something that's bigger than you, something that has lasting value, and this is what drew me into the army. And I feel like it's the same way in the Lord's kingdom. I feel like it's the same way in God's army. See, God sends people your way to invite you to come to him. They're the recruiters. You, you get these Christians, they, 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 they throw this stuff in your ear about how you need Jesus. And most of you, like I was in high school, all them rules, they ain't me. I, I got to do me. And, and you laugh that off. And you, you, you resist and think Christianity is not for you. And, and it's, it's the same way in, in, in the Lord's Army. Then, then you start seeing all those commercials. What, what are the commercials? They're, they're the blessings in the lives of your friends. It's the joy you see in, in, in Auntie, who ain't like anybody else because she's always okay even in the midst of tragedy. And you start wondering why, why, why is she holding her head up when, when her baby's died and everybody else falling apart. These, these are the commercials of God's army these are the shining trophies of god's army you start seeing men and women in in marriages that you want to role model you start seeing old women of faith and and you see that that's the kind of woman i want to be you start seeing older men in faith and you say i want to be that kind of man those are the lord's commercials and then then you start getting uh, uh, you start listening to what is being said and then ultimately one day if you really want to get in you have to go to the recruiter See, I laughed it off, I listened, but then I felt a longing for something that I didn't have, and I went to the recruiter, and it's the same way joining the Lord's church. You got to go to the recruiter. You got to go to a Christian church, a Christian friend. Uh, You got to get to God somehow. You got to listen to them tell you how great God is. And you begin to think, this is what I want, structure, purpose, guidelines, life, to be attached to something that's bigger than me. Do you realize that just this little church on this patch of dirt, we're feeding a thousand people every week through our food and clothing ministry. We're ministering to thousands of people around the world through our churches in different continents and our missionary friends around the country. We are part of something so much bigger than you can see. And it's awesome to be involved in it. You got to get let a longing begin to well up in you. And, 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 and you, you got to realize this is what I want. This is what I'm made for. This is what I'm about. See, God's calling for soldiers to join His army today. Most people are still laughing at His call. That ain't for me, dog. (laughs) No, not me. But He loves you more than anybody else ever will. He died on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life and be part of His family. To turn away His invitation to be part of His family not only disrespectful, but it's foolish. All the benefits are in Christ. All the right now and eternal benefits are in Christ. But some people are still laughing. God's calling for soldiers today. Some people are starting to listen. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know if you're still laughing at the call of God. Or maybe you're one of those you're starting to listen to what God wants you to do. Maybe you're starting to listen. To the the, the concepts that there's more for you in salvation. God's calling for soldiers today. And I believe there's some people who are longing to please Him because the call doesn't stop when you sign up. You got to go through boot camp, then then you got to go, you got to learn the basics, then you go through AIT and you learn the deeper things. This is like church. You get get saved. You start learning the the, the, the basic things. Then you grow and you learn deeper things. But it all stems from this desire to be part of something and to be attached to someone and to have a commander that you long to please. I, I want you to figure out today where you are. Are you laughing at the call of God on your life? Are you listening to the call of God on your life? Or are you longing for the call of God on your life? See, everybody in this room is in one of two categories. It's not a racial category. It's not an ethnic category. It's not a national category. It's not a socioeconomic category. It's not an educational category. It's a spiritual category. You either are alive under Christ or you are dead to God. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either born again or you're not. Some people laugh at the thought. Of giving up their life and coming to God. They're missing out. Don't miss out. There is no better place to be than in God's army. Some people are listening. Keep listening. And let that long and grow. Some people are to the point where they're finally ready. To be and to do. All that God called them to be and to do. If you're here today. And you're ready to join God's army. And you know you're not saved. The Bible says all you have to do is ask God to save you, and he will. I was going to have an invitation to have you come forward. You don't even have to do that. If you're here and you want to be saved, all you have to do is ask God to save you. He said to do it. He said if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to walk an aisle, pray a prayer, shake a preacher's hand. All you have to do is ask God to save you, and he'll do it. He'll, he'll, he'll sign you up today in his army. And you can start growing and become the soldier he called you to be. If you need somebody to talk to, I'm going to stick around after church this morning. You need to talk to somebody about getting saved today. I want to talk to you before you leave this place. If you're here and you're saved and you know you haven't been living up to the call that your commander has placed on your life, I want you to repent. Here's the great thing about God. He will give you a space for grace. He will give you a space of repentance. And this is why we need to hear this message. And I'm I'm talking to everybody in the room. You need to repent before it blows up in your face. You need to repent. It's like a soldier who leaves base thinking he's going to go AWOL. I'm driving off base. So you can drive off base a little bit. You get outside the city limits and you're supposed to be back in an hour. You're getting into trouble. You turn around and you come back, nobody will ever know, and you will still report for duty on time. Some of y'all need to turn the ship around, turn your car around, turn your life around, and report back for duty before people realize you've been AWOL. Because once you get AWOL, there's some bad stuff coming your way. Too many Christians running AWOL from God. I've heard people tell me for years that they were running from the Lord. You can't outrun the Lord. Wherever you'd go, He's already there. So God's calling today. You're either going to laugh at him, listen to him, or you're going to long to please him. I can't make the choice for you, but you're making the choice with the actions that you choose. Pray with me. God, thank you for calling us into your service. Thank you for recruiting us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for making a way for us to find salvation. Thank you for bringing salvation to us, God. I pray for every lost person in the room, Lord. I pray that they would call on your name today and be saved. I pray for every Christian, God, who's running. Every Christian who's on the outside looking in. Every Christian who is not longing to please you, God. I pray that you bring repentance and holiness. God, I pray that you would let us be excited to be in your service. Let us be excited, God, to know that we're living for something bigger than ourselves. We're part of something. You said that we're accepted in your family. Thank you for accepting us, God. Thank you for being our commander. You are the greatest there is. There's nobody like you, nobody beside you. Nobody compares to you. Thank you for loving us when you didn't have to. Thank you for continuing to love us in spite of everything. Help us, God, to be good soldiers. Help us to endure hardness. Help us to stay on mission. Help us to desire to please you. Help us not get tied up in the affairs of this life but to keep our eyes on the prize we pray in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to ALCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.